Thanks for joining the podcast today. I'm Pastor Hank, a man who has more street smarts than book smarts. I'm joined today by Diane, a lady whose brain works faster than a speeding bullet, whose thoughts are more powerful than a locomotive, and who is able to leap tall syllables in a single bound. Also joining us will be Katie, the beatbox champion of Cornell. This podcast is about discussing topics that the church is dealing with today. The goal is to have a frank and honest discussion, looking at various points of view. It's our hope that we will challenge you to think about these topics and to form a biblical worldview. We want to challenge you to think about what you believe and why. We live in a world today that finds it hard to have a dialogue between people. And all of us come to a discussion with presuppositions. These are elementary assumptions that an individual has about reality as a whole. Our worldview, then, is a network of these presuppositions. They then inform our decision-making and how we rationalize those decisions. Many conversations today never have their presuppositions challenged. Usually the breakdown can be revealed in faulty presuppositions. Everyone simply starts the conversation somewhere in the middle. We will attempt to look at this network and the way that we think. We want to challenge these presuppositions to see how they line up with God's truth. So come with me and join the crew today, and let's have a discussion. All right, Diane, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about should Christians listen to podcasts and should pastors have a podcast? What do you think, Pastor? Yeah, good good questions. So we do have, or we live in a world in which podcasting is very popular, right? Yes. Um, I mean, I think some of the data that I saw was that, you know, there are over a million podcasts, over 30 million episodes, all the way up. This I think this data is from April 2020, so it's fairly recent. You know, what I was interested in is some of the data that shows uh, the demographics of who listens to podcasts. Um, seems to be the more money you make, the more you listen to podcasts. I think 54% of the people that listen to podcasts make over like $100,000 a year or something. I mean, this, whatever this that is that I saw was was pretty impressive. But I, I don't know about all that. I guess the main question is, you know, is is podcasting biblical? The Bible doesn't really speak about podcasts. Uh, it doesn't really speak about technology at all, right? No, it doesn't. So what does a Christian do? Uh, you, you know, we had this Christian music era many years ago, and now we've got this influx. And I, I don't remember the data, but there are a lot of Christian podcasts. Some of the, the websites that I looked at said, you know, find the best 40, you know, top 40 Christian podcasts. And that seems like a lot. And so the question is, especially in this COVID-19 era and and information um, flow era uh, as to when we're isolated like this, how do we then do ministry and how do how do pastors uh, get the word out and and should Christians be getting their their education from podcasting. So there's there are tons of questions out there surrounding this and let's just talk about it today. I thank you for bringing it up. Well, you're very welcome. As you know, I became a Christian in 2014 and was converted to Christianity to use that phrase by listening to an audiobook by myself with no one around except for my cats and I won't tell you how many cats I have. It's really embarrassing. Yeah, I don't don't like cats anyway, so I really don't even want to know. And then saw. But I'm not going to go on record saying that. Sorry. <laughs> I sought further knowledge through podcasts. And for about two years, all I did was listen to podcasts until I got under the biblical authority of a church and a 
Church with Elders. So I did a lot of podcasting, listened to some very good things, listened to some very bad things. The Holy Spirit gave me discernment, thank goodness. But podcasting really shaped me as a Christian even before I stepped foot into a church. I mean, I had been in a church before that, but not as a Christian. So would you say then that podcasting, that God moved through that and worked through that for your conversion would be the first question? I believe that he did. It was, um, I had um, downloaded Mere Christianity because for many years before I really became a Christian, I, if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian because I thought I was a Christian. I went to church when I was a kid, had communion when I was a kid, was baptized as a baby. I thought, well, I'm a Christian, even though I hadn't been going to church, I hadn't been living like a Christian at all. If you had told me, I would have said I was a Christian. And at some point I decided, well, I need to learn some more about this Christianity thing that I say that I am. So I downloaded Mere Christianity and it sat there for a few months. And then in February of 2014, we had this massive ice storm here. Nobody was leaving their houses. So I thought, oh, I have a, an iPod at the time, an iPod shuffle, I think, that had Mere Christianity downloaded on it. So I wasn't doing anything and the lights were out. So I played the audiobook. And that by the time I was done, I was truly a born again Christian. And so then after that, you listen to podcasts to kind of work on your own spiritual growth and really investigating the faith and what it meant to be a Christian. And were those podcasts helpful for you? Some of them were very much helpful. I downloaded some that went down some weird eschatological rabbit holes, which were probably not that helpful. You know, bunch of podcasts that had the secret numerology of the Bible and <laughs> those were less helpful. But and I would argue off your current eschatological view, they probably were not helpful at all. Not helpful at but all. We'll have that discussion another day. Some other day we'll talk about R.C. Sproul <laughs> and the impact he had on my life in a lot of ways. I did come across R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Albert Moeller in those early days and started to figure out that that was a much more measured, thoughtful theology, Ravi Zacharias. So that those were the more helpful sources, and I eventually discarded the crazy conspiracy theory, secret numerology of the Bible podcasts. One by one, they went by the wayside. Yeah, some of those are still fun to listen to, but um, not for... They anything more than information, right? Did not feed my soul or yeah. inform me of theological concepts and things like that. Well, let's go take a rabbit trail real quick before we get into this. Should should Christians even listen to non-Christian podcasts, right? I grew up in a home where you didn't listen to anything but Christian music. And I can tell you during the time of Sandy Patty and some of those Amy Grants, that is not the music I wanted to listen to, nor was it edifying for me, I think, uh, even at the time. But you know, should a Christian then say, well, the only thing you can listen to are, are Christian podcasts? What do you think about that? I don't think that that is true. Paul went to the Areopagus and he listened to what the philosophers were saying so that he could be informed of what's going on. And if there's bad information out there, he could be equipped to refute it. So uh, certainly we should be listening to what the world is saying so that we can be a response and engage with it. Yeah, I think it's very important. We need to be able to know what Satan is, is saying, what's being used in the world, to compare that to God's truth, right? Isn't that, isn't that what Paul does? He uses the philosophy of the day and then says, well, here's the truth 
in contrast to what you believe or what you are saying. And so it's very important for us as Christians to do that as well. Absolutely. And, as well as not secluding <clears throat> ourselves from the world. Um, you know, if you only listen to Christian music or po Christian podcasts or you only watch Christian movies, you're going to end up with a certain view and you're going to be very limited in your understanding of the world around you. I don't think there's much wisdom in that. Now, let me ask the, the other question here. Should should pastors be podcasting? Again, on, on the wake of this COVID-19 and this social distancing and, and isolating of, of selves and, and churches not being open, you know, there's an opportunity for a, a minister or a pastor to just go total virtual and do podcasting or to do blogging and and all these other things to live. I mean, we're live streaming our sermons now. And some churches are live streaming the complete service, which, again, podcast for another day. We'll talk about whether or not that should be taking place. But for today's purpose, should ministers, should pastors take their time and energy and put it into podcasting? And if so, what should that look like? Well, I think that they should. They definitely should. Even though there's no mention of podcasts in the Bible, there's also no mention of airplanes in the Bible. I could go on and on. I mean, sure that if there were airplanes at the time of the Bible that Paul would have gotten on an airplane and flown to Gaul or wherever he wanted to go next. I think that Paul would have participated in podcasts because his concern was that the word of God be known in, to the nations, the Great Commission, discipling the nations. There's some cautions there. Now, can you disciple through a podcast? That is limited, and we can go further into that, you know, the accountability that um, pastors have for their flock and everything. But to answer your question right now, yes, I think pastors should be giving the podcast. I think it's a gift from God to spread the gospel around the world. And we're going to talk about why we think that's true and, and why maybe some of the counter arguments here as we go through this. And we listen, if you're listening to this, just know that we don't always agree on everything uh, in this room. And we, we don't expect you to agree with everything that we bring up. But what we do want to do is wrestle with some of the topics of the day and ask that you think through them yourself as well. And if you come down on another side, great, love to hear from you. But we just want to kind of at least have the discussion. That's one of the purposes of this podcast is for us to really to get the Christian to begin to think about their own theology, uh, maybe things they've not thought about before. And in this case, hopefully ministers and the congregant is thinking through the value of a podcast in their own life and maybe that their church should bring up. You know, we had a discussion, us ministers, pastors have discussions, right? And they're very uh, heated sometimes. But I had a conversation recently about, you know, what should the church look like in today's society? The church of the 80s and 90s, the model that's there may not be the model that is effective today, may not be the model that God will use to share the gospel. We know that ministers are called to preach and teach, uh, to administer the, the sacraments, and we know this from Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so ministers need to be spending their time equipping the saints for work of ministry. And we know that that's, it's beyond just preaching on a Sunday morning. There's discipleship in there. There's teaching and training. There's prayer, obviously, included in this as a role of a minister, but specifically speaking about preaching and teaching. So we know that we can use podcasts to do that. But I think there are some things that need to be considered as we think about podcasts. First of all, I'm just not one 
uh, which is, yes, I see the irony, uh, pastor doing podcasts. I'm not one simply who thinks that we should be doing podcasts to add to the noise. I gave you the stats earlier that there are a ton of podcasts already out there. So what's different about this podcast or another podcast? You know, what should pastors be thinking about before they begin even considering a, a podcast? What are your thoughts there, Diane? Well, I think that we are starting correctly in that we are starting off our podcast journey and you as the pastor as in we are exploring the idea the topic of podcasts and we are intending to give encouragement and caution so the question before us then is you know what what are some of the warnings maybe that we as uh, pastors or podcasters, Christian podcasters, whatever, whatever you want to term yourself. Maybe you're a lay leader and you're you're doing this as well. What are some of the cautions we want to look at as we just dive into this? Because we can't just say we're sharing the gospel. And because you know, one of the things that I've noticed here recently, in the wake of some of the things that we're dealing with in our world, is there are a lot of pastors that are speaking, but they're not speaking the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about issues around. Jesus and around Christianity. And, and so we need to recognize that there there may be a time to do that, but we're not speaking the gospel. And so we can't say we're going to we're going to use the platform for the gospel and then and then not mention Jesus, right? One of the cautions, and I can speak from my own personal experience, I shared that I, I listened to podcasts exclusively. That was my Christian life. My was exclusively virtual for the first two years of my regeneration at post-regeneration. I think I've mentioned that this podcasting isn't in the Bible and that's kind of funny, haha. But but also I would say that this phenomenon isn't new. I was very enamored with the ideas and thoughts of R.C. Sproul. And Paul in 1 Corinthians one twelve, he cautions people. He said, what are you talking about when you say, you know, I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas? And he goes on to talk. He, he keeps coming back to that point for through the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, this I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, why don't you follow Christ? The concept is, he he talks about a lot of things with that. There's a lot of theological gold nuggets in those verses, but one of the things is a caution against this sort of personality worship, this sort of getting so wrapped up in a particular personality that you're losing sight of Christ. And so I think that is a caution that... Christians need to have as they go in and they start listening to podcasts and figuring out what they want to listen to. Don't get wrapped up in the personality. I was very wrapped up in the personality of R.C. Sproul. There was just something about his hard-hitting commentary, the way he just tossed a fact up in the air and just slugged it with his Louisville slugger. Um, nice just... baseball reference, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. You. Yeah, missing the sport, but anyway. But, um, you know, I would listen 10 times in a row. I'd watch the the debate between John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul about baptism, you know, and clearly I was on the side of R.C. Sproul, and I just clearly. loved when R.C. Sproul would just zing John MacArthur about a particular point, but that wasn't feeding my soul. That was just me gobbling up little, you know, chunks of theological candy, you know. It was fun for me to watch. It spoke to a particular part of my personality, possibly even a particularly nasty part of my personality that I was going to be so much smarter than John MacArthur and 
everybody who, you know, liked him, which, of course, I have much respect for John MacArthur. He's a theological giant. Just disagree with him on baptism. But it was a it was a little bit of a, oh, I like to watch John MacArthur get slammed by R.C. Sproul. That's not that's not helpful. It's not. And I'm not saying don't go watch the, the debate. It's a phenomenal debate. It's on YouTube. But it's not feeding my soul. And R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur weren't praying before they spoke that, you know, I as one of their sheep was going to be edified because I wasn't one of their sheep. They didn't know my name. They didn't know my family, what's going on in my life. They weren't praying for me. And people need to make sure they're under the shepherding of a pastor in their local church that can be accountable for them, as it says in Hebrews. Yeah, let's let's dissect that a little bit. I want to speak first to the role of the pastor in podcasting. I think what I heard was there's a warning here about an ego trip. Pastors yes. need to be very careful about doing this to uh, boost ratings or to get so many likes or views. You know, if the if the goal is to share the gospel, whatever your goal is, whatever you're going to do, make that your agenda, then so be it. But if it becomes a personality booster or something that makes me feel good because I see all these views and I've got all these people and I've even monetized my podcast or whatever, we need to be very mindful that we are simply as pastors, dare I say, tools of our Heavenly Father. We are instruments, as Paul says. And even Calvin reminds us in his institutes, he says, by the way, I'm John Calvin, a reformer, if you don't know who John Calvin is, you can Google him. Do that on your own time. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that, the reformers. Uh, but anyway, Calvin says in his Institutes of Christian Religion, speaking of the minister, of the pastor, he says, because he does not dwell among us, uh, speaking of Jesus, in visible presence, Matthew 26, 11, Calvin says in reference to Jesus, because he does not dwell among us in visible presence, Matthew 26, 11, we have said that he uses the ministry of men to declare openly his will to us by mouth as a sort of delegated work, not by transferring to them his right and honor, but only that through their mouths he may do his own work, just as a workman uses a tool to do his work. And so Calvin here is referring to the minister as an instrument, a tool of Jesus Christ in getting the word out. And if ministers begin to see themselves in a different role or a different light, think that they themselves are Christ, uh, then we are uh, no more than the Antichrist. We are actually uh, doing more damage than good. Yes. And the other thing I want to say about Calvin, and I'm not as well versed as you are, but Calvin really cautioned people against idolatry. He said, you know, our hearts are little idol factories. And that includes all of us. It's not like, oh, I'm immune from that. We make idols out of everything. And we as Christians listening to podcasts, you know, speaking as someone in the pews, we have to be careful that we don't start to idolize a particular personality or a particular way something's done on a podcast. As Pastors, I, I would guess the caution would be not to idolize the audience, right? the likes, the, the clicks, as you, as you said. So we have to be constantly on guard from the little idol factories that are in our hearts. And people don't see that in themselves, but it's true. It's true. It is true. And so enough about the, the ministers. I think we've beat on the pastors a little bit. <laughs> uh, how about the Christian that's sitting in the pew? You mentioned you know, that it wasn't really... These things were helpful for you. Some of them were edifying. 
but it wasn't really spiritual growth. You also mentioned the need to come into the body as far as Hebrews 10, 24 reminds us that we are to come together. So we'll talk about that in just a minute, but let's talk a little bit about the role of the Christian and how the, the Christian first should see their minister, their pastor. What should they think of their pastor and how should they view their pastor? But then also is a pastor who is podcasting, is that sufficient for the walk of the Christian? So I kind of threw two questions out there. So let's deal with the first one, which is basically this idea of the Christian and the view of their pastor. How should Christians view their pastor? Well, Christians should view their pastor one as a human being same as they are with feet of clay just like all of us christians should view their pastor as someone who has been called by god to shepherd a flock a particular flock a local flock and a pastor is accountable to that and hebrews chapter 13 i alluded to it earlier it it says that shepherds will be called to account for how they pastor their flock. That is a huge responsibility. It's a responsibility that takes a, a lot of guts. And so we, are, as Christians in the pews, should respect that. But the big thing is that that's something that can't be done from a virtual standpoint. You have to get to know your flock. And for instance, I listened to a lot of podcasts before I actually became part of a local body that made me feel like I wanted to be part of some sort of Christian activism. And whatever that looked like was probably whatever the podcast du jour, you know, covered, whatever topic that, that covered. I wanted to go to Africa and be a missionary. I wanted to do... So one, at the time, I was not part of a local church. So if I had just decided to pick up a sign and protest something as a Christian activist, I would have been completely unaccountable to anybody. It would just been whatever I felt I was led to do without any sort of accountability or any sort of other person weighing in with their own discernment. So I think that there's there's a need to know the people in your flock, know the needs of the community, and shepherd your flock to address both the things, the needs of the flock and the needs of the community. And people just can't do that on their own listening to podcasts. Yeah, and as a warning for pastors, I, I really like, and this, is, this goes both ways, but for the congregation, for the one who's sitting in the pew looking at the pastor, we all know of, of pastors who have ended up not necessarily of their own making that that one being idolized and, and it is something that many of us pastors are concerned about me not so much uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's an issue um, but that's just by circumstance but we as a congregation need to understand that the way that the church is set up is an exercise in humility and, and Calvin puts it this way. I'm going to quote Calvin a lot today, so just bear with me. In the Institutes concerning pastors and the role of pastors in the local congregation and how congregants should view the pastor, he says this, again, this is the best and most useful exercise in humility when he, Jesus, accustoms us to obey his word, even though it be preached through men like us and sometimes even by those of lower worth than we. And so I think this is very helpful if, if Calvin, is, is recognizing that there are others in the congregation who are greater than I, or if there are people in the congregation who are, are being used in a different vocation and, and somehow that is viewed as, as greater than myself, then I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But it is an exercise in humility when we all look at ourselves as depraved humans saved by the grace of God, and without God's grace, we would, would all be 
condemned to hell, then I think it does bring us to a place of humility. And even ministers need to be very careful of that. Although we have a vocation where we do have authority in certain settings in the church and, and we are to shepherd the flock, we need to be very careful of thinking more highly of ourselves than we actually are. But I think the system here, Calvin captures well, the church is set up so that we can exercise this humility, both as pastors and congregation. Because if I'm sitting in a congregation as a pastor, and I've done this, it's very challenging to listen to another pastor and not critique their sermon or to wonder, you know, what their life is like, and do they actually believe what they're saying? Those things are all probably a part of the congregant's mindset as well. I do that as well. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but as pastors, it's even more challenging, I think, because we are actually taught to critique sermons. We're actually taught to look for these things and in our congregation. So it's a, it's kind of easy for me to do to, to sit in a congregation, listen to a preacher, and, and, and kind of focus on these things rather than the Word. And, you know, another warning for us ministers is Calvin basically calls us puny men. We need to be mindful that we are no more than puny men, risen from the dust, as he says, mm-hmm. uh, that we speak in God's name. And, and, and that's really helpful and humility. That's correct. And I'm just going to go ahead and tip my hand here and let everybody know that I am a Presbyterian. And so it's also important to know that the pastor is not a one-man show. There's a body of elders or a session of elders, if you will, that hold people into account, that bring a sense of government and authority and a council of wisdom. Just like Paul very clearly states in scripture that He's not going it alone. He sat, he went and met with Cephas in in Rome. He met with the other apostles of the time. They talked. He didn't just say, oh, I'm this way on circumcision in the the first council of, of Jerusalem. He, he actually sat and listened to the entire council. We don't just go it alone. And that's not God's intent for us. That's not Jesus's intent for his church. And the scripture clearly reflects that. Yeah. And again, quoting Calvin, uh, I like how Calvin captures it. Uh, It really is a practice in love. He says, further, nothing fosters mutual love more fittingly than for men to be bound together with this bond. One is appointed pastor to teach the rest, and those bidden to be pupils receive the common teaching from one mouth. For if anyone were sufficient to himself and needed no one else's help, such as the pride of human nature, each man would despise the rest and be despised by them. The Lord has therefore bound his church together with a knot that he foresaw would be the strongest means of keeping unity while he entrusts to men the teaching of salvation and everlasting life in order that through their hands it might be communicated to the rest. Agreed. And to bring this back to the podcasting, we should have a strong desire to spread the gospel. We have a love for the lost. We want the lost to hear this message. And this is a a useful tool to spread the gospel, to provide teaching when we think that there are errors in the culture at large or perhaps in the church to talk about, to discuss, to politely disagree. But at the end of the day, if you're just a Christian sitting in your basement listening to podcasts or riding on your riding lawnmower and listening to podcasts or commuting and listening to podcasts and not part of a local body, then you're not fulfilling what scripture says to do and what Jesus intends for his church. If you're a Christian, you're going to be part of the church now and 
in the New Jerusalem. Yeah, and the church is a, a group of people who gather together, right? I mean, isn't that the the Hebrews 10, 24 to 25? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meeting together, to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, I think we can encourage one another virtually. However, I think the church always has this facet of fellowship and gathering together you know, we met for the first time this past Sunday as a congregation coming back together after, you know, the distancing and the isolation of COVID-19. And what a joy it was just to be in fellowship. I actually think that we, we hung around and, and visited more, probably illegally, uh, visited more after the sermon than and the service than during the service. I think the total service time was probably... 48 to 50 minutes and I'm, I'm just pulling that out of my pocket but it was 1 or one thirty before everybody went home and we shut everything down and you know the pastor's stomach's growling and but and the kids are going crazy and and, and pulling their hair out and, and they're hungry and tired and so on and so forth so. yes and it's edifying for the body to meet and it's important that the body meets um, the Westminster Confession of Faith touches on that but also as a word of caution speaking of historic plagues there was the Cyprian plague in 249 AD, which actually the Christians' response to that plague historically was a big part of bringing Rome into Christianity, bringing the leaders of Rome into Christianity. That that started that, that was the catalyst that really turned people's head and said, these Christians are not fleeing. They're turning around and they're helping their neighbor. As opposed to the Black Plague in Europe in the uh, 11, 1200s, when priests actually shut themselves up. They shut the doors. And what did people do? They turned to things like witchcraft and superstition. I mean, they didn't turn to witchcraft. They started looking to persecute witches and superstitious activities came about and you know we all know the nursery tales the pied piper you know people were started killing cats because they thought they belonged to witches and then Wait, all of a sudden don't? the rats were then all of a sudden the rats were just repopulating and i still it, believe that cats are belong to witches so that's why i don't have one cats anyway, are good it, anyway, cats are I our digress. friends but yeah so people just started turning to you know there would be traveling physicians selling you know the the first forms of the snake oil of the day and, and so there was just there was no church because the priests had kind of locked themselves up. And this isn't a knock on the Catholic Church or the priests of that time. They, they did what they thought was the proper response to the plague, but it had a consequence. So churches do need to meet, and I'm treading into other territory there. But it is edifying to the congregation, and it does bring peace and, and when you commune with fellow saints. Yes, and it also fosters kind of a, another bolstering of the point, if you will, whether or not we should, as ministers, pastors, be podcasting. But what it does prove is that there is a need for the church to speak to the issues of the day. One of the things we I think that would be more damaging, especially right now and all that we're dealing with, is silent. If the church is silent, and I've seen it on social media over and over, that they are actually requesting and demanding almost, that the church speak on the issues of injustice and, and the things that are taking place in our world right now. So so the church must not be silent, and maybe podcasting is a way for us to speak to some of these issues. Diane, we've talked about um, the pastor's role in podcasting. We've, ta we've talked a lot about podcasting. We've talked about getting the gospel out there. We've talked about some warnings to the 
to the pastors. And we've talked about this need for gathering together. What are some of the warnings that we should give to the congregants who may think that, well, if I just, now that I live in this virtual world and I'm so used to isolation, why can't I just watch the service online every Sunday? Why can't I just hear my uh, podcasts? Why do I even need to open my Bible? Why do I need to spend time reading and studying myself when I can just listen to other people who have done all the work and then just kind of soak it all in? Why can't I just be a receptacle of uh, the good things that are out there? Well, God calls all of us to share our gifts with other Christians. So if I'm just sitting at home and consuming the gifts of others that are being put out there, podcasts and and live stream sermons, then I'm not sharing my gifts with other Christians. Now, we had our first day back at church just the other day, just, just like you said, and I spoke to several people and found out things that they hadn't mentioned virtually when we've had Zoom meetings or email ch- prayer chains that they needed prayers for. And it comes out in personal conversation, in personal interaction, and they may not have ever brought it up if I hadn't asked questions and spoke to them with a spirit of, of wanting to connect with them and help them if I could. And that's no special thing about me. I'm just asking questions because I have a really unnatural curiosity about things. <laughs> so, but if I'm not part of the body and and speaking to people, then I'm not helping. There's so many gifts that we have. There's there's ways that we can teach others and edify others that we just cannot do sitting by ourselves listening to podcasts. Yeah, and we're not participating in, in the things that are established by God, the means of grace, the word, the sacrament, the prayer, some of those maybe as a, as a receiver, but not really engaging, not singing the word, not singing with the body, not praying with the body. Not, again, being accountable to others in what I'm saying, hearing, praying, and what God might be doing through the lives of them that might also help in my own sanctification. So there's the means of grace aspect. There's the sanctification aspect. I mean, Calvin talks a lot about this, the purpose of the church being to sanctify the believer and that he even draws out the fact that the church is filled with wheat and tares. And in this weird church where there are believers and unbelievers, there are people who are regenerated and there are people who are not regenerated, that's those that are regenerated are being sanctified. You know, God is working through them in forgiveness and practicing love and all these. I mean, if you're not with people, you can't practice the fruit of the Spirit. You can't work on your own sanctification. As a matter of fact, you can you can do just the opposite, right? In isolation, you can withdraw from working on your own spiritual growth. Oh, yes, exactly. And I shared a little bit about, you know, my podcasting for my first two years as a Christian. I listened exclusively to what some people refer to as, you know, cage stage Calvinists, angry Christians, talking about and this does not include R.C. Sproul by the way but there were there were voices out there who were just really reveling in the fact that they were theologically superior even to other Christians and that's not helpful to me uh, living in a world where I work with and know a lot of non-Christians and and even quite frankly a, a lot of outright atheists how am I going to witness to anybody if I feel 
like I'm some sort of theological superior person who would look down at my nose at most Christians. I'm not saying that that's what Christian podcasts are about. I'm saying that those were the unfettered voices that I listened to out of context, outside of a local church, outside of a pastor who was praying for my personal edification and as well as the edification of the entire flock. That's the kind of theological superiority mindset that you get that's actually not it's it's really not helpful to yourself and it's not helpful to the world that you are called to witness to. Yeah, and there's this whole other idea of if if you're isolated in your own thoughts and your own theology and you, and you can't be questioned on it or you don't bounce it off of other people or you don't see other points of view. You know, I think that's what we deal with in the world today with, again, another topic for another day, this racial division and and hatred and rioting and so on and so forth is, you know, maybe it's because we've been so isolated with our own thoughts and our beliefs that when somebody challenges that, we, we simply just respond with anger. And I'm not saying that's what people are doing. I'm using that as an illustration of how do we keep ourselves in check and make sure that our theology is good if we truly believe what the world is selling in this relativistic world, which is your thoughts and beliefs are your thoughts and beliefs and mine are mine. And and as long as the two don't clash, and even if they do, we just walk away and disagree. And, and there's no reason uh, to even have a discussion. We live in a world where there, there seems to be little uh, room for dialogue and discussion on either side of the table. There's no compromise. There's no middle ground. It's all you believe what you want to believe and I believe what I want to believe. Well, we know that Scripture teaches us that there is a truth and it's not about what I believe. It's what Jesus tells me is true. And so if we are a Christian listening to podcasts, my fear would be that God isn't able to work through his system that he has set up, which is community, working perseverance in us, our own salvation being worked out before us as we engage with people that we don't agree with or people that don't like us or people that we don't like or whatever. Uh, we chew funny and they don't like to hear it, uh, whatever it is, right? So that we are denying this God-given world, this church of gathering together and trying to remain isolated. And I don't think that's helpful. Amen. I couldn't agree more. So should pastors podcast, I think, as long as you're not adding to the fray and, and you, you don't get a big head out of this and you're not uh, doing it for ratings and, and you truly have a way of, of keeping yourself in check and, and checking the motivation. Is, is it for the gospel? Is, is it uh, so that the word may go out, so that the loss may be found, so that the name of Jesus may be spread throughout the world? Absolutely. I think those are all helpful and, and good things to do. We following the Great Commission, it can be very useful in evangelism and outreach and discipleship. Uh, but at the same time, it should not be the only thing that a Christian hears or uses in their own sanctification, in their own spiritual growth. That comes through the gathering, the, the local church. So if you're listening to the podcast and you don't have a local church, our encouragement would be what, Diane? I would say, I would bring you right to the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 26, paragraph 2, where it says, Saints by profession, like professing saints, are bound to maintain a holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God and in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification. That means with other people, mutual. And also in relieving each other in outward things according to their several abilities and necessities. That means helping your fellow saints and those in your community. Which communion, as God offereth opportunity, is to be extended unto all those who in every place call 
upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a whole generation of people that I think we read about constantly, and I'm not one. Uh, I'm a little bit older than they are, so I guess you can figure out uh, maybe which generation that is. And even even the generation behind them, that the data shows that they all long to be a part of something. And that typically comes out even in people who don't claim the faith or, or who aren't Christians buying into certain things. It's one of the reasons we see marathons and races uh, very popular because there's a cause behind it. So people want to be a part of a cause. And if you're looking for that and, and you don't have a local church body, and maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to get into the church and find out where it is that you might fit, how you can be a part. The church has many causes. We have one main mandate, the sharing of the gospel, but how that takes place in the world is vast. And one of the opportunities I think the church has is to engage the world in helping them find connection in this perceived or real need that they have in connectivity and uh, fulfilling a cause. Rather than it being all this time and energy put into something negative, which I think we're witnessing today, maybe some of that can be turned into positive and the church is there to help do that. And so being part of a local body, even if you're not a Christian, just check it out. See if it's something for you. Worst case scenario, you, you hear the gospel and, and you become a Christian. Or best case scenario, it depends on your side of the uh, aisle. <laughs> best um, case. <laughs> best case in our perspective. You know, I, th- I think podcasting is good. I think ministers should do it. It's very helpful during these times. But it should not supplant the church as Jesus has established it. It can be a helpful tool. It can be very encouraging to Christians, but we should not be utilizing that as our sole means of discipleship and spiritual growth. Mm-hmm.